Hi, I'm Alexis. I'm the co-founder of MadPulse and you are listening to Unconventional Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to HubSpot's Unconventional Business. A show about how Australian and New Zealand brands are growing and winning by putting the customer experience first. We're talking with leaders from our best homegrown brands about their journey, the decisions they made along the way, and their biggest learnings. I'm James Gilbert. And I'm Kat Warboys, and we'll be your hosts this season. Now let's get into the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Unconventional Business. I'm James Gilbert, and I'm going to be your host for this episode. Today, we have Alexis Sulopoulos, the co-founder of Mad Paws on the show. Hey, Alexis, thanks for coming along. Awesome. I'm very excited to be here. For people who don't know a lot about Mad Paws, how would you describe it to them? Well, uh, at Mad Paws, we exist to enable pets to live their happiest lives. We started by solving what we thought was going to be the biggest problem for pet owners, what to do with my dog, what to do with my cat when going on holidays or when I'm busy at work. And that's our pet services marketplace, pet sitting, dog walking, daycare, you find a reliable pet sitter to look after them. And But to truly um, offer our vision and to truly offer a holistic solution to pet parents and, and pets themselves to live their happiest lives, we started one and a half years ago to do to execute on our vision and do much more. So we launched our pet food product a year ago. Mm -hmm. We acquired uh, a subscription toys and treats business, Wagley Club, um, which adds really nicely to that. We have a pet insurance offering and we are working now on our Madpulse home, which is curated e-commerce to very much complement the ecosystem. So one-stop shop for pets, everything from caring to treats to food to insurance. That's a lot. Yeah. How, how did, what was like the Genesis story? Like how did you and your other co-founders come up with the idea? What did the very first days look like? Well, so it, it was 2015 and, and, and what was happening was um, the sharing economy companies like Uber, Airbnb were making some very serious waves, although not as, not nearly as big as what they are now, but it was clear that, that there was something there. And I was studying at, studying at university in Sydney. I was an international student and I was very interested in entrepreneurship. That's how I met my co-founders. But I was also a student. And one of the things doing as a student was um, I was missing pets and I was, um, you know, wanting to do some fun activities. And I was also in need for some money. And so I was doing some pet sitting on the side. In particular, I was spending a lot of time with one of my very good friend's uh, dog, Honey, a Labrador. When he was um, going on holidays or so, I was spending time with her. And when I was with what later would become my business partners, discussing these Airbnb models as well as the pet sitting, we said, what would happen if we build such a marketplace model for pet services? And we quickly realized like that's really, really amazing. And if our mission can be to make pet ownership easier, to make um, to enable pets to live their lives to the fullest, and this is going to be the start of it, but not the end, to start to build a database so that then we can really look at a holistic solution, an ecosystem for pets and, and, their, pet, and their pet parents, we thought that was going to be a very, very exciting uh, vision. And that's kind of where the idea and the let's do it, it you know, it's going to be amazing yeah. and it's going to go sky high kind of, you know, feeling come, um, yeah. came from. And then, of course, you start and it's all very difficult. That's kind of the founding story after that. That is the story of marketplace businesses where the promise yeah. is amazing, where it's like, wow, if you get this to be running the way it could, 
That's a phenomenal business. Mm. The path to get there is a nightmare. And it's one of these things yeah. that it's like to get a marketplace business working, it it is very tricky because you need both sides of the marketplace and you need Correct. to make sure. I think the dating analogy is always useful where I heard like, mm-hmm. you know, imagine you're a Tinder, it's a marketplace as well. But if your first sign up is in Alaska and your second sign up is in Chile, it's going to be hard for the dating to work. And that's similar, I imagine, for pet care, where if you're wanting to be a sitter for a dog, you don't want to be doing one on the other side of the city. Ideally, in the dream world, it's your next door neighbor. And that's who, and to get that liquidity within the marketplace takes a very long time. And so, how did you? at the start go about achieving that we didn't really have a playbook we just we you know did what seemed logical and what seemed logical at the time was let's get pet sitters onto the platform first and foremost and we found a bunch of really good strategies to do that Um, because i had university connections i reached out to the president of the veterinary student society and he sent emails to the veterinary student society of university of sydney which as you can imagine there are, there are students that, you know, love pets, have experience with pets, have spare time or flexible schedules and would love to earn some extra income. So our very first pet sitters in kind of University of Sydney area were um, veterinary, veterinary students. And then the second um, yeah, kind of growth hack we found to find pet sitters was using um, websites like Gumtree, uh, websites like Indeed, very similar to how Airbnb um had recruited their uh, first hosts on uh, on Craigslist. Mm. And so that side of the marketplace was growing massively at very little marketing spend. But what we then found is, hey, actually getting demand is not so easy. Um, we have oh, to, just like any business, figuring out, figuring out um, how to really convince people that A, they can trust us, B, we're the solution they need, and C, they probably weren't even thinking of pet sitting as a concept, so it's awareness as well. Mm. And what we then found is once we started getting a little bit of early traction with the demand side, um, actually those pet sitters that we signed up three months ago and which were very, they were very enthusiastic to look after puppies, the, you know, but uh, once they started getting, being contacted, they were uh, not engaged anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like if, if you were an Uber driver and you are ready to, you know, take passengers, but then there is no uh, incoming inquiries and only after three months the first inquiry comes you're already doing other things you know not you're not expecting to kind of pick up the phone or pick up pick up the go to the computer or or the app and and start messaging so that's the exact liquidity issue that you Mm. describe getting demand and supply in the same area at the same time yeah and that that wasn't easy for us in fact there were 20 different competitors that launched full of enthusiasm we're going to build the Airbnb for pets. Um, mm. However, now uh, in Australia, there are only two. So that very much highlights getting over that initial liquidity issue uh, yep. is a big challenge. The way most people would logically want to start that is they would uh, geographically constrain where they're going to focus on. Is that something you all did as yeah. well? Where you're like, we're going to try to make it work in these suburbs or these i know that was something with uber where they would launch cities at a time like was that yeah part of your approach as well i mean the short answer is it wasn't 
Should, would I do it again? It would totally be mm-hmm. that that would be my approach, but it wasn't. And the context for that is, as I said, there were 20 competitors, um, you know, starting, raising some seed funding rounds and so forth. And what I said was, hey, we need to be national. Like, it's great. We have our um, we have a little bit of a critical mass around University of Sydney area, but we need to be national because it's also in marketplaces, mm-hmm. a winner takes all type of market. Um, and. And, and that's why we, you know, expanded so quickly. But that's probably also why we, we, we reached this chicken and the egg liquidity issue where petsitters weren't engaged when they got finally contacted. And what we did to overcome that was, um, you know, first we did a whole lot of things that didn't work out. But mm-hmm. what actually did work out was uh, myself and the only other employee who was in the business picking up the phone. And for every incoming inquiry of a pet owner, we would say, hey, uh, my name is Alexis, and I'm going to help you out. Mm-hmm. And then I would call, you know, the pet sitter, which they contacted through the website. Hey, it's Alexis from Madpoles. I would almost every time get, what is Madpoles? Because they just simply didn't remember signing up three yeah. months ago. But then holding their hands and just, you know, even there was no screen share at the time, or at least I didn't know of it, but kind of doing a screen share over the phone, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean, explaining them which steps to take, was that was what, what ignited uh, the growth. The moment we started picking up the phone and closing transactions, you know, between pet owner and pet sitter, which took honestly four hours for yep. the first, you know, 30 or so per transaction. Um, that's when our growth went from very, very few bookings uh, per day yep. to rapidly accelerating. That was when we started seeing that hockey stick. All people looking at the outside from companies that have grown a lot, they think it would be a magical oh, they just had the right idea Mm. at the right time. But whenever you actually chat to the founders, you always find out, no, there was a lot of very manual, very, if we were pushing this boulder uphill long before it started running downhill without, with, with traction about just simply right idea, right time. Um, Absolutely. And with that, I imagine your space being, you know, like caring for people's pets there's an added element of, uh, again, not too dissimilar. I feel like the early um, objections to Uber was like, what, you're just going to get in a random person's car? And I imagine you probably had a similar objection of, what, you're just going to let some random person look after your pet? Like there's a lot of people yeah. view pets like they do children and they don't just want to give it over to anybody. How did you go about addressing that? as a platform and and what were some of the things that made people more at ease no so look trust is key and we found early on we can't just work with any person that puts their hand up to want to look after you know one wants to look after dogs we need to very seriously vet them and Mm -hmm. then be very vocal about how we vet them and you know and and uh yeah and and so we did that and that means that we we would bring on board pet sitters that have a lot of experience, a lot of passion, but are also very committed to the job. So when they interact with pet owners, they really want to become a great pet sitter. They want those first few reviews. So they're doing a very good job. They're communicating well. They're always doing a meet and greet. A meet and greet is also a key ingredient to building the trust into this business model. So these things just in the business model really helped the, the, the vetting of pet sitters, the meet and greet in the business model. But then also what I just explained to you earlier, the calling, we did that out of necessity. Yeah. Calling all of those pet owners and, you know, doing everything the technology wasn't capable of doing at the time. But what it also did is 
it's showed everyone that you know myself the founder was very much caring about them mm-hmm. and that there was a face behind this business and what we did um, while we were speaking to all these customers is we found out the top five questions in their mind why they may have been hesitant to convert yeah and then we were able to you know to use those insights and address those top five questions you know are the pets that is being vet, uh, vetted? What happens if I need to cancel my holiday? Things, things of that, things like that. Mm-hmm. We were then able then to bring them into the online experience and and really answer people's uh, questions proactively. In addition to that, we partnered with um, a brand ambassador, which is a famous vet here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So that helps vet, of course, has very strong op- uh, opinion in the space. And a bit later on, we did partner with Qantas, which has, of course, amazing brand equity and was just taking us to that other level of, okay, these guys are not tiny startup anymore. Yeah. They have, you know, serious, serious corporate partners backing them. Yeah. The Qantas uh, partnership investment, that it's interesting. It's not something you see very often, but I think it's, Mm -hmm. they're, they're an interesting partner in that they have probably one of the best customer databases in the country and they you know anybody who pre-covid flew a lot you can see how they use that database for other things whether it's wine clubs golf clubs uh they know that the people that fly with them have a lot of other interests outside flying and their frequent flyer program like allows them to engage with them in those other areas tell us about the, the Qantas partnership investment, like how it came to be and, and how it's worked. When we were, you know, back to the, the founding story, dreaming about what this business could be, the next kind of dream was who would be now the ideal partner for someone like, like, like uh, Mad Pulse. And we started with our holiday pet services, even before we launched dog walking and daycare and so forth. And um, yeah, so the ideal partner would be a travel partner with a massive database and a huge um, trust in the Australian market. Mm-hmm. And that would be Qantas. That's very fortuitous. I, I think I personally, yeah. it, it's interesting. I didn't think about this as I was asking the question, but I would love a dog. I have not got one because I pre-COVID used to travel too much. I was like, oh, it's not there. But it's like, it's interesting, Qantas, they're a perfect partner where it's like, actually, if there was ways that Qantas, when they knew I was flying, could also alert me to opportunities like Mad Paws uh, that would like reduce some of my friction to flying, it's a no-brainer for me to sign up. Is that how it worked with them or what were the ways they promoted you and, and how much business did you see as a result? Once they identified that one of, um, you know, one of their uh passengers who's booking a flight Mm -hmm. is also a pet owner which by definition should be sixth at that time it's now it's now close to 70 percent wow but at the time of us closing that partnership it was uh 60 percent so it should be 60 percent of their huge millions and millions database and now 70 percent of their huge database once they know someone is a pet owner they in the booking flow at clever you know points Say, hey, do you also need a pet sitter while you're going on holidays? And then we've got an integrated um, search mm-hmm. widget, you know, just like the Madpole search widget, you know, need a pet sitter in Bondi um, on their own platform on Qantas, which then redirects to the, to the pet sitters in that area um, on our website. Oh, that's brilliant. And people earn frequent flyer points um, 
for booking through us. Yeah. And also there was a whole lot of offline advertisements. Um, and there still is um, advertisements in airports, uh, advertisements, this is online, of course, to their, to their email database. Um, so yeah, what it did is it brought business. Um, and what it really did is it brought us many stages up in, in terms of trust building, in terms of, hey, these guys are very are serious. Um, I'm not surprised they take um, the pets that are quality so, so serious because even Qantas, you know, yeah. invested in them. So that helped a lot. And then your investment path for an Australian like ever company has been interesting in that you went public reasonably early in your growth story. Like what mm-hmm. can you talk about the thinking there? And it's, it seems like you've since made acquisitions where it's probably been an advantage being a public company to be able to do mm-hmm. acquisitions. Like talk to us about why that decision and what kind of advantages it's given you. We made a decision because the opportunity was there. And the opportunity was, I'll, I'll paint a picture uh, for you, is we were, um, you know, we ended 2019 like really, wow, this is amazing results. The business was, was, was doubling year on year, um, was doing really, really well. And then, of course, uh, early 2020, the world stopped for everyone and also for us. Mm. Uh, lockdowns very significantly impacted what was back then our, um, our sole revenue stream, which was the pet services business, mm-hmm. because people are not traveling and uh, for daycare and dog walking, people also weren't going to work. In fact, they were in lockdown. So while the, that lockdown situation at first seems absolutely disastrous, but then what was happening as well is, and this was just anecdotal evidence, there was no stats at the time is, hey, my friend's getting a dog, hey, Everyone's getting a dog. Yeah. Half of our team's getting a dog if they didn't have one already. So many people are getting dogs. And now, you know, fast forward one and a half year, we have the stats and there's actually a million more dogs in Australia wow. since the pandemic started, wow. which, is, which is huge. And, and spend is also massively up. So yeah. that's huge. But we saw this all unfolding in front of us. And back to our vision that I explained to you, we want to enable pets to live their happiest lives and do that at a big scale and not just for pet services but use the kind of the cloud that we're creating and, and the community to also do a whole lot of other things. We said, hey, um, we now just launched our food business. This was one of our first um, proactive strategies when, when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. That's going really, really well. Home food, fresh food delivered to your door. Um, wouldn't it be great if we take full advantage of this massive opportunity of this, you know, everyone's getting, everyone's getting dogs, everyone's getting COVID puppies. And then we saw that the, the investor interest in, in our vision and in our growth story was, was very, very strong. And so we said, hey, you know what, um, raising um, the capital that we did um, and being a public company so that we can in the future raise more when they're really interesting expansion and acquisition opportunities, that actually makes a lot of sense. And yeah, we did that. Um, uh, it was successful. We already did acquire one company, Wagley, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that we, were, we are very, very happy with. And um, yeah, so that's, that's the rationale, taking opportunity of the market conditions. Yeah. One more million dogs is an amazing stat. How, how many dogs was there prior to that? It, there was over 5 million dogs yeah, and then there is another 4 million cats and then there is a whole other section of, of other, other, other pets and, and animals. 
Yeah. But so one million um, compared to you know f- over five million is plus twenty percent in a very very short amount of time. Yeah. And that's also huge. Um, the 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 pet ownership rates used to be sixty one percent just under two years ago and is now sixty nine percent. If you think about it, like sixty nine percent of Australian households have a pet, and yeah. the pet and the number of pets so much increased, and the spend per pet so much increased as well. It's yep. a very, very exciting space to be in. I've heard some of the stats around spend on pets before, and it's mm. pretty wild. I think the number I heard a few years ago was it's an average of twelve or fourteen hundred dollars a year people spend on their pets. Is it that kind of level, or is that wrong? Or that number I've also seen that around that time, and now it is very materially higher. Very materially higher. Yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't have the exact one, exact one in front of me now, but it's, 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 yeah, I would say close to double. I need to check yep. the exact number, but it's very high. So it sounds like Mad Paws has evolved. Do you envisage some of those new areas actually being bigger than the original business of pet sitting? We are going into those areas which we believe are extremely scalable and have a huge market size for them. Yeah, and we believe that's the case in the marketplace, and it, it has shown very consistent. Um, really, really growth that we've been very, very happy with. Um, um, and with what we're seeing now in the earlier businesses, of course, they're much smaller. The growth is also very strong. And the, the addressable market in food and in pet toys and treats and in general surprise boxes for dogs, also very, very huge. So um, whether they will overtake or not, we know that they all have huge potential to be big, big businesses. And then, but what the really cool thing is and what we get very, very excited about is how the ecosystem interplays with each other. Yeah. Because if we, if we, and that's why we're working very hard on now, um, can, if we can provide not only the solutions for pet owners, but also the logical points to, to say, Hey, I know your pet owner because you gave me the data about your dog or cat that this other solution we have for you will, you know, enable your pet to live the happiest life mm-hmm. or will enable them to be more healthy or, you know, that's exactly what those other Labrador owners are giving their pet and they're loving it. That's where the real value is yeah. for us and ultimately also for the customer. I think it's there's a lot of areas where you can be adding value and happiness to those owners and their pets, but it's also pretty predictable, I would imagine, in terms of once you know the age of the pet and you know uh, what breed it is, then that's probably very helpful not only on the marketplace, like the sitting side, I'm, I'm imagining sitters would want to know that kind of information, but that's very helpful if you're selling food to that owner, that you know yes. what's the right type of food, what's the right volume of food for them. And so exactly, you can almost take them through to the final decision far quicker than a new entrant could who doesn't have that information. Exactly right. Exactly right. Those things are foreseeable. What's been some of the the things that have really surprised you as you've expanded into different areas were there like one stat I heard one time was around how much people spend on toys and that it was like, Oh, you, yeah. there are some people that spend more on pet toys than they actually spend on food and uh, medicines and things like that. Is, is there anything like that, that as you've got deeper into this world, which is, you know, there's, there's a lot to it that's been really surprising and opened your eyes to, just how much people do care for their pets. The humanization of pets we always speak a lot about, which is, you know, people start treating their pets more and more over the years, like part of the family. 
And we're seeing that in all of our businesses, but one where it's, it's really striking is indeed the Wagley business, the toys and treats subscription business. What we're seeing there is the retention of the business is massive. Like people staying, staying around on average, including those that, you know, that cancel after one month for some reason, but on average, taking all of them into account, they're staying around for 16, 17 months. It's very, it's very, very high retention. So people want this amazing experience for pets and they want it for a very long time. So yeah, that's, that's been a very positive surprise for us. And would people spend as much money on that as they would food for their pets? Yeah. So the average, uh, you know, average price of a box per month is about $43. Yeah. Um, which is in the range of certain foods. Our high-end food, which is uh, fresh food, is mm-hmm. more expensive than that because it's human-grade fresh, fresh food. Yeah. But we also offer some more cheaper variants that, that are, you know, getting close to that. Yeah. And what, what do you think is driving this humanization of pets? It's something I've anecdotally seen a bit of and you hear a lot about, but no one's ever explained to me. I've never had someone as knowledgeable to chat to about it. Like what's actually driving it? Are you noticing actually people having less children and they're having their humanizing pets instead? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, what has been driving it is, is in general, if you ask, if you see all the, all the, all the data, why are people getting more and more pets it's companionship that's kind of the thing that always comes comes mm-hmm. back right but that's been the case since the beginning of time but then there there are dynamics now such as and you you actually absolutely nail it when you say people are living in smaller places they are delaying getting kids later they are delaying or sometimes not getting married at all mm-hmm. so that companionship you know in absence of having kids early in absence of having big families in absence of getting married and always finding a partner. Some people just aren't at this now. Um, companionship become, becomes more and more um, important. Yeah. And, and that's very much driving the, the humanization of pets. And, and now what's been further accelerating that is a lot of people um, like yourself are contemplating, hey, should I get a dog? Actually, it's, 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 I would like to, but I'll do it later when I you know, don't have to travel so, so much and so forth. But now spending so much time at home, um, um, a lot of people are saying, hey, actually, now is the time. Yeah. And that's then even further accelerated because they get a new puppy, they have a new dog, those who already had pets. Um, all of those people are spending more time with their pets than they have ever done before. Yep. And so that family feeling, that humanization, that premiumization of pets is getting stronger and stronger. And I think these are the forces that, uh, that yeah, make this trend accelerate. Yeah, it's interesting. I think when COVID struck, people looking at your business as it was were probably like, oh, how's this going to go? People aren't traveling as much. They're probably not going to need sitters mm. as much. But it's interesting that it's, you. one, you're in a position to add other lines of business that are always valued whether people were traveling or not, like you've done. But two, the COVID and impact in, on people's like being trapped actually dramatically accelerates just the number of pets that people have. And that the trickle down of that is a lot of business for you across the different areas that you operate. So it's one of these things, I think on the surface, people might've thought, oh, mad paws will be in trouble. But it's like, actually, no, if you look at what's happened, it's probably been a big win for you as a business. Yeah, no, exactly. And so what COVID did is it was it was a big win, everything mm-hmm. you just said. 
it was definitely annoying, especially throughout lockdowns for the pet services part of the business. Mm -hmm. But what we show, and this actually to your earlier question, not a big surprise to me is, I didn't think that we were going to do record highs in our pet services marketplace with international borders being closed. Mm. But what we did see is um, uh, last last year, um, December is always our biggest month. November, December, we absolutely did, we did record highs, things we've never done before, even in pre-COVID era, wow. despite international borders being closed, despite booking values being much smaller because people were traveling nationally. But what that showed us is Australians very keen to travel when they can, yeah. and they travel nationally just as much as they do internationally. But what we're now very excited about, on top of those you know, new revenue streams we have compared to the time pre-COVID, um, on top of those million dogs and spent uh, and everything up and humanization up, is the pent-up travel demand. Mm -hmm. um, because once now this Sydney lockdown and Melbourne lockdown and so forth, will be start easing. I'm confident that we will see what we saw pre-lockdowns. Again, record highs just with domestic yep. travel and domestic going to work and so forth. But then there is another kind of, uh, yeah, a milestone that we're very, very excited about, which is that international travel coming back. It's, it's interesting. Not every business is in a space where if they take advantage of COVID that they could have a healthier business at the end. But for the people who have, like you have done so well at Madpaws, you're emerging a far stronger, faster growing, better, more resilient business than if COVID never came along. And you've had this through, through all those things I mentioned, on top of which I didn't know that stat, which is crazy, that we've gone from 5 million dogs to 6 million dogs through COVID. So your just addressable market has expanded a ton at the same time as well. Uh, it seems like it's actually been a great two years for you all as a business. Yeah, and that's how we reflect upon it. Yeah, it's uh, it's these growth companies and startup companies always a roller coaster. But when you take a helicopter look, and and I think you know you have a, a a great team that's making the right decisions. It's it's a we're very proud of the trajectory that we've that we've taken and and, and what we've achieved so far. Yeah, you you absolutely should be. And thank you so much for for coming on the show today and and talking us through your journey. It feels like it's still early days for you as a company but you're set up and already achieving a lot of success but it feels like you've, you've got so much opportunity in front of you I, I can't imagine you not achieving a ton more success from here so thank you so much and congratulations and and best of luck for the future thank you very much thanks for tuning in to hubspot's unconventional business podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'd love you to subscribe and tell your friends co-workers you know what tell whoever before we go, a shout out to our mates over at Audio Technica for bringing us today's epic sound quality. Whether you're after an awesome pair of headphones to listen to your favorite podcast on or a mic to start your own, Audio Technica has you covered. Head to audio-technica.com.au to check them out.